Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swung. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. I'm from Bob, back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, back to right, looking to the sun. Twenty-five lighters for my twenty-five folks. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero. It is opening day eve, brought to you as always by... What was our friends at Armchair Media, but now a sports drink. Ha! So we've got another new name for you. Hopefully that means we'll get the merch coming soon, eventually. Uh, talk to our sponsors, talk to our hosts, guys. Don't talk to us about that. Um, but it is opening day eve. As you guys can tell, I am very excited. Doc, I know you're excited, too. Been waiting for this day for five and a half months, and it is finally upon us. You know, I don't, I don't want to get too into... Uh, how disappointed I have been in 165 straight days I've woken up and there has been no baseball. I'll wake up tomorrow and there will be baseball. And it just gives me a lot of joy, Dylan. Speaking of giving people a lot of joy, today's episode brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.ag. You guys knew it was coming. Tried to trick you there a little bit. Tried to rickroll you. Uh, BetOnline.ag is the best place to go to if you're wanting to place a wager for the Braves on this season go to bet online maybe you want to say that the braves are definitely going to win the world series we're going to talk about our projections do either of us think the braves are going to win the world series i don't know but you can put your money where your mouth is go to betonline.ag and one of the really really cool things about bet online is if you want to bet a certain line like maybe you want to bet ronald acuna goes 40 40 and you don't see the line on there you can actually contact them you can email them and say hey i want to bet this line they'll create a line specifically for you go to betonline.ag use the promo code armchair to get a nice little surprise when you make your initial deposit betonline.ag play win and have a great time so there's a lot that we could discuss today but we're on opening day eve and we're all riding high so before we dig into our predictions which is going to be the main bulk of this episode there is a little rumor starting to run around on twitter that um, maybe baseball might institute the dh the night before opening day uh it would definitely be stupid for baseball to have waited this long but i think um for you and me and for pretty much any baseball fan out there and any professional pitcher out there, like that'd be a pretty nice present on opening day Eve, right? I think so. Uh, God, we, we have talked a lot about how it seems so logical. How can you have a year with it and then take it away and then maybe have it again next year? It just has never made sense. And the deeper we've gotten into spring training, I've started to really just give it up and say, you know, maybe, maybe it isn't going to happen. But now it appears that this would be the second consecutive season where on opening day or opening day eve, then they're going to get this hashed out. You know, there is incentive for owners and players to hammer out some type of trade-off between the DH and expanded playoffs. But we'll see. You know, we, we will definitely see. It's all conjecture at this point, but I still, it would not surprise me whatsoever if we wake up on on April 1st, which is 
very nerve-wracking to wake up on April Fool's Day and find out that, oh, there's going to be a DH now. Uh, who, who can actually tell if that's real or not? But it's, it needs to happen. It really does just need to happen. Now, speaking of that, it'd be very nice to have had this like a month or two ago when the Braves could have signed C.J. Crone, uh, who's a pretty much perennial DH, or they could have found an actual left fielder or kept Adam Duvall to play left field, and they could have just brought the entire band back together from last year, or they could have upgraded, you know, whatever. Uh, but speaking of that, we, we see everybody, and you put this out from the TPS account, talking about would everybody be okay with the DH if Ender was in the lineup, or would you prefer no DH Ender on the bench? Uh, and that's a good question to pose because that's a very real possibility. I have a different proposal. Tell me about it. So let's just say the DH does get instituted at the 11th hour here, and we're sitting here, you and I, up at 11.55 because we're degenerates, uh, waiting to see if this goes through before the stroke of midnight. Uh, for the Braves, they would have some candidates in-house. I was thinking about this as soon as I saw that rumor. So, Barry, it's only been like a 10-minute long expose, so it's probably not a super well thought out. This is going to sound like the stoner person coming up with that random idea. Um, what would you say to Drew Waters uh, being called up to play left field because absolute worst-case scenario, he's, his defense in left field is going to be as good as Enders would be in left field, and offensively he's got more upside, which would push Ozuna back to DH. Or Travis Darno goes to DH. William Contreras is called up. And then you can split time between William Contreras and Travis Darno as the starting catcher and starting DH, with Alex Jackson as the primary catching backup for either of them. You know, it does add a little bit more righty thump to the lineup if you go the Contreras route. I'm much more in favor of the Contreras thing than I am of the Waters thing, just because you are certainly right that offensively Waters has a lot more upside than Ender does, but... How much would you really be trading off now? You know, Ender Ender is not a great player. He had a really, really good year in 2017 and had some really good solid fringe years on the other side of that. But Waters still has a long way to go as a prospect. Now, you could plug him in right now and he'd hit you 220. He'd luck into some home runs, but he'd strike out a lot. Ender, you know, he's going to ground out to second a ton. You know, and he's not what he was defensively, but I still think he's better than pitchers hitting, which is the whole point here. And it also gives you the opportunity to upgrade from Ozuna's defense and left. Now, Ozuna's defense is not great. We've gone over it a lot over the, the past year and a half. It is also not completely abysmal. So when you start getting into the idea of what if you put Contreras in the lineup, because he has shown that he is very, very close to ready. He's, he is much closer than, than Drew Waters is for me. Um, it does deepen the team just a little bit. To me, that's the way right there, but it still kind of leaves you with a little bit of a hole. I think you need another outfielder, one uh, preferably that is hitting right-handed. Maybe it's like a Philip Urban type. I don't think that Heredia or Almonte or Travis Demerit did enough during spring training to really merit having a roster spot. There's always external additions, but, I mean, the season starts in, like, 20 hours, you know, most teams are probably thinking that their rosters, at least for the next couple of weeks, are pretty much set. And if they're going to supplement, it's going to be with somebody who's in-house. So there are ways to solve this, but I think the easiest one right now is to move Ozuna to DH, plug Ender and left, bat him ninth, and just have that be that. I mean, I think they could certainly do that. I'm not... I. Okay, for, for Drew Waters, I think you're right. I don't think he's 100% ready, and I definitely think he'd have a really high strikeout rate up here, probably 35, close to 40%. Uh, I do think he hit better than 220 because there is one thing that as much as you and I were pumping the brakes on Drew uh, pretty much before anybody else was while everybody was riding high on Drew before Michael Harris showed up and decided that he was going to take all the shine, um, Drew does hit the ball harder than almost anybody else. Uh, according to scouts and everybody in the minor leagues who was watching him in 2019, last time he really had minor leagues, as a 20-year-old in AAA, he was like 98% as far as hard hit rate. Like, there were literally like one, maybe two players that hit the ball harder than Drew. And it is mostly line drives, which is why you didn't see over-the-fence power, but that is something that translates at the next level. I mean, if you hit the ball hard at any level, you're going you're gonna to get your fair share of hits, and he's going to get his fair share of extra bases. The difference would be, would he be able to make enough of that contact carrying a strikeout rate that would for sure be 35% or higher? Uh, I think it'd be better than Enders, but I think, you'd, I think you're, I don't think you're that far off on saying 220. I think you'd see like 245-ish. But just one route they could go, because I know 
had there been a had there been a full season last year, Drew would have been called up in September. Um, it's just something. Now, obviously, the oblique injury wouldn't have done him any favors. Personally, I like the Contreras idea better uh, because you do get Contreras' bat in the lineup, uh, and you can float him around between. You can give him enough starts at catcher in that instance with Travis DHing to where he can get a significant amount of, of catcher reps. And that's the only reason why he's in AAA to begin with is, is to get more reps behind the plate. So that is something that I would love to see. I don't. It'd be kind of unorthodox for a team to carry three catchers uh, and play two of them every single day. It's not something that you tend to see, but it is, it is something that I think that would work out for this particular Braves team. And Contreras is a lot more athletic than people tend to give him credit for. I think it'd be cool to see. Uh, it would probably also help Travis. Uh, it would help his offense not regress as much as we're all expecting it to if he wasn't behind the plate every single game. Because for sure, Travis is not going to replicate that 144 WRC+. plus. That's not happening. It, there's a reason you don't see catchers carry WRC+, pluses that high for a full season. The 162 games is a grind for anybody. Uh, it is especially so for catchers. It's really, really hard on your knees. You're getting banged around a lot. You're getting hit by foul balls all the time. Uh, it, it's a rough position to play 162. So I think any way they could manage to keep Darno as healthy and, and unfatigued as possible would be a boon for the lineup. And you could still keep Jackson up here as the, the primary backup. So whoever is not, whichever of the two is DHing and catching, you don't have to be like, all right, well, when he comes out, Contreras is going to go in and catch or whatever. You can still keep them doing regular type of days, knowing that Jackson, uh, for as much as a lot of people, I know he's, he has issues making contact, but that's, He's, he's an actual perfect backup catcher. And I know people are like, oh, well, what about Jonathan Lucroy? Um, Jonathan Lucroy has been well past done for like five years now. I don't want to see him. I know Alex Jackson has issues, but I know he's also a Mike Zanino clone carbon copy. And Mike Zanino has had like a 10-year career, and he's, he's been a starter for most of it, but Alex Jackson makes for a perfect backup. And it's time, it's time to unclog the system a little bit and let these guys play at the big league level. But... We do have to look a little bit elsewhere because we did say yesterday, uh, or last week, I should say, that this was going to be our prediction show, and I don't want to eat up too much time doing all that. So we're going to start off with our division previews. Doc, you did the legwork and finished yours before I did, so you get to start us off, buddy, for the NL East. Read it off. All right. So we had touched on this a couple of weeks ago, and I actually do have a little bit of a change to make there. What I had said before was that the Braves are going to win the division. Still think that is the case. Uh, Mets will finish second and win the wild card. Uh, Before I had Washington and Miami tying for third and Philadelphia in last, I think I'm actually going to go Washington and Philadelphia going 3-4 and then the Marlins coming in last. Um, and that's not necessarily a function of the Marlins being a bad team as much as I think that it's just uh, top to bottom on the rosters. The Marlins have the uh, most underwhelming or just least whelming uh, roster. Um, you know, you got some star power in Philly with Harper and Realmuto, and Segura is still there. I mean, they, they have some quality players. Their bullpen, they did a lot of work to improve. Um, it's... The Phillies' bullpen and the Braves' rotation are not wholly dissimilar just because when you start looking at how bad Philly was last year, they have nowhere to go but up. And it's the same thing for the Braves' rotation. And this is a stat that Ben Ingram said yesterday during the game was that in games not started by Max Fried and Ian Anderson last year, the ERA was 7.3. Or something, which is what the Phillies bullpen was able to maintain for the entire year. It's it is absurd. You couldn't do that again if you tried. So the Braves rotation will be better, which is why I think they're going to hang on to first place because the Mets are going to be really good. But I think Philly's going to be much better than they were last year too, just because it couldn't possibly get any worse. Um, top to bottom, pound for pound, this is the best division in baseball to me. And I think we are really lucky to be in a division with so many really big-name stars. We keep saying this every year. I think this is the fourth consecutive year we've mentioned that the NL East would be a dogfight, and it's really never turned out to be the case. We say this every season, and then uh, three of the five three of the five teams just underwhelm. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go with Atlanta number one as well. I think they're a better team than a season ago, and I think I, I've said all along, and I said this if you saw the Locked On 
today uh, video up on Twitter that I think this Braves team is a 100-win team. So obviously I think they win the division. Mets I've got number two, uh, the most talented team outside of Atlanta, and you brought in some really good pieces and some pieces that fit better than what they had before. Uh, I'm actually going to roll with Miami at number three. You're right, Philly has more talent. Um, I think Miami, though, one, Philly can't beat Miami ever. They struggle with Miami a lot. Uh, and I think Miami is a really bad matchup for a lot of the other teams in this division because the rest of the division, outside of the uh, outside of the Braves, really plays bad defense. Like there, There's not a lot of good defense in the NL East. And the Marlins are a team that, on the whole... They're really annoying, and we talked about this a lot last year when they would play the Braves. They're a really annoying team to play because they manage to hang around in games. Like you'll, it'll be the seventh inning, and or you're up three to one on them. All of a sudden, you look up; it's the seventh inning, and it's three one. But they've got runners in scoring position. You're like, how how are we not pulling ahead in this game? For the Marlins, that that just seems to be a thing that they do. Uh, and while they might not have a, a superstar right now, Starling Marte is a very very good player. Uh, they've got some pieces. That are more that are better than the sum. They're the, they're better than the sum of their parts. I would say like they don't have an individual that stands out, but together they make for a pretty. And I hate using this cliche, but they make for a pretty scrappy bunch, and they win games they're not really supposed to. Uh, I think that they'll find their way in third because I think the final two teams are just going to blow it. Uh, I'm gonna put Philly at number four because they they are the more talented between them and Washington. Bryce Harper, for as much as everybody hates him, is is a fantastic player. Uh, McCutcheon's not awful. He's not what he was, but he's not awful. JT Remuto is either going to be the number one or the number two catcher in baseball. We'll see. Most likely he'll be number one. Uh, that's generally, I mean, he's, he's over 30 now, but JT's probably the, JT's definitely the most well-rounded catcher. So it's, it's the most likely outcome. He's the best catcher in baseball this year. Uh, Alec Bohm is probably going to take a big step forward this year. Bohm could actually end up being the best third baseman in the division pretty easily, um, which doesn't say a lot about the nature of third base in the in this division, but I think right now you'd have to pencil him in as, as the best third baseman in the division. Starting rotation-wise, Philly does have Nolan. They do have Zach Wheeler. Now, I don't care what Philly fans want to say. Zach Eflin has been a quote-unquote breakout candidate for like four years now, uh, and the best you can say is that he's managed to not be garbage. Um, I don't think Eflin – I think – I don't. Eflin wouldn't even be – I don't – I don't think Eflin would be even in the top five in this rotation for the Braves, to be honest with you. Uh, Smiley's a better pitcher than him. Ian is better. Soroka's way better. Morton's way better. Freed, it goes without saying. Uh, so I don't care about the rest of their rotation. I don't know what's going to happen with Spencer Howard, but he didn't impress me last year either. Um, Washington is just – Washington is is the most top-heavy team uh, in the NL East and one of the most top-heavy teams in baseball. Like The difference in talent between like Soto, Strasburg, Scherzer, and Trey Turner compared to everybody else on their roster – is ridiculous how big that gap is. Like it's that that offense is going to be really bad. Maybe Josh Bell finds a way to have an actual whole good season. I doubt it uh, because Josh Bell is frankly just not that good outside of that first half st- or one half of baseball stretch he had in 2018. I want to say uh, 2018 or 2019. He's not a he's not a great player. He's definitely not what everybody thought he'd be coming out of Texas. Uh, just I, I'm just underwhelmed by the Nationals. I know they've got some pieces in the bullpen, but this Brad Hand it's not the Brad Hand of three years ago. Just they're just unimpressive to me. I think Washington finishes in last. Washington's defense is is going to be pretty bad. And I want to go back to the Marlins real quick. And by the way, by the way, how about the how about Carter Keyboom losing out third base to Starlin Castro and his Drupal Cabrera? I know. I know. I mean, some prospects just wind up in that state of arrested development. And Keyboom seems like he's having some very similar struggles to a couple of Braves pitchers where it's like he's right on the cusp and he's got all the talent in the world. He just can't take that next step. But so I wanted to, to bring back about the Marlins real quick. One thing that gets really lost with them, because you're right, they are a very scrappy bunch. That's a really good way to say it. But they're pitching. When, it, when their pitching is on, if you're looking at a front three of Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez, that's serious business right there. Those guys are really good. So they... And let's, let's, talk, let's not forget Max Meyer. He's going to be up this year. And Edward Cabrera, um, I've talked about him a lot. I talked about him on the Locked On crossover with the Marlins. Go do yourself a favor and look at Edward Cabrera's Fangraphs page. He is... He, I don't know if you know this, Doc. 
He's a top 100 prospect. He's like in the top 60, top 70. He is really, really talented. Yeah, he is. And he could affect the team this year. I thought I remembered something about him dealing with some type of um, nagging injury. Nothing long-term. It's not like he had Tommy John. or. Yeah, last year he got shut down with, I want to say it was either a lat strain or a shoulder strain or something. Yeah, so even if he doesn't necessarily affect the team this year, he's going to be a big piece well, moving Sixto, forward. Um, Sixto starting off at the alternate site. So bizarre. I mean, uh, I th- I don't know if, if he missed some time or whatever, and they're trying to ramp him back up. But I know he wasn't particularly impressive for a lot of the spring. Um, I like Eliza Hernandez sucks for the Marlins, but I just do think that that Marlins team that they're they're a hard team for the Nationals and the, and Philly to deal with. The defense for those two teams is so awful. And you can talk about Didi. Didi doesn't impress me. Like people like to uh, like to think of me as the Dansby hater. Uh, I think Dansby is the number two shortstop in this division. Uh, he's definitely he's better than Didi now. Uh, I think Didi is always has almost always been a product of, of Yankee Stadium. Like Didi Gregorius is not is not somebody that impresses me all that much. He's he's an average shortstop, but I think he's turning towards the below average part of it. Miguel Rojas is is you know as much as Marlins fans love him, he's nothing. Um, I. I, I would say Dansby's number two. I would probably I would put you know Trey Turner obviously is one of the better shortstops in baseball. That's the only well Francisco Lindor. I totally forgot about Lindor. Uh, so Dansby's number three, which I think is pretty. I think it puts him in the middle of the division, which puts him pretty much right where he is normally, uh, right about league average. So uh, there you go, Dansby fans who always think I hate on him. Dansby is not the worst shortstop in this division. He's comfortably number three. Very excited to see you becoming a fansby. It's nice to see you growing. How that dare way. you? How dare you? <laughs> All right, so let's move it on to the NL Central. And instead of starting at the top for this one, I want to start at the bottom. Uh, for the NL East being the best division in baseball, uh, comfortably so, I think. Uh, I think that you could also make the case that the NL Central is the worst division in baseball. And at the bottom of that division, you're going to have the Pittsburgh Pirates who are by far the worst team in by far the worst division. You know, they got the first pick in the draft this year, and and th- that's they did that before they got rid of Joe Musgrove and Josh Bell. Um, they are going to be last, and I, I have them uh, picking second in the 2022 draft. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit as well. Uh, just barely ahead of them will be the Cincinnati Reds in fourth place. Similar... Similar thing to the Phillies where they've got some names. You know, if you're just looking at the roster, you can say, oh, they got all these different guys. They just can't they just can't put it together. You know, when you've got Castellanos and Moustakis and Eugenio Suarez is playing it short now, but part of that's because of Jonathan India and where's Nick Senzel going to play? And you've got 40 outfielders and you've got these great pitchers, but they're playing in a very tiny ballpark. And... You do still have some offensive firepower in the rest of the division who can come into Cincinnati and just mash home runs. So I've got the Reds finishing in fourth, um, even though they were a playoff team as well last year. I was kind of conflicted about whether or not to put the Brewers or the Cubs uh, next. I actually went for the Cubs third and the Brewers in second. The Cubs did add Jock Peterson, and apparently he looks like a brand new guy in spring training. Let's see what happens if he has to face any lefties. Uh, I think the And they also lost Yu Darvish. I think that the Brewers' rotation is better, and Christian Yelich is going to have to be better than he was last year. So I got the Brewers in second, just barely missing out on a wild card, and so that means the one remaining team, I've got the St. Louis Cardinals, as much as it pains me to say, I think the Cardinals are going to win the division. Uh, The addition of Nolan Arenado can probably not really be downplayed. So, uh, yeah, that's how I've got it lining up. i got Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds. Space, 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 pirates. That's actually exactly how I've got it written up, too. Uh, actually, I think Milwaukee is, is actually comfortably better than the Cubs. Uh, I mean, the Cubs do still have Kyle Hendricks, but that's not, a, that's not a very impressive team. Now, I'm expecting big rebound seasons from, like, Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez uh, and Anthony Rizzo for sure. They had a lot of, like, if you look at the Cubs last year, basically every one of their players was just horrendously awful. Uh, Ian Happ has taken some big steps forward lately, but Jason Hayward was obviously the guy that took the biggest step forward last year. Really happy for Jason. Like they've still got some talent. They're they're just not that impressive to me at all. I think that they would finish. I think they'd finish fourth in the NL East, maybe even last. Um, just because their pitching is just not impressive at all. Like starters or relievers, just not impressive in the slightest. Um, 
Milwaukee is is a wild card. Like I don't think that they're going to get into the playoffs. I say that, but I think Milwaukee is a team that can be a lot better than people are going to think just based on last year. So their rotation does feature Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, both of whom, if they, but Brandon Woodruff is quietly one of the better starters in baseball. Doesn't get enough credit for it, but is, is one of the better pitchers in baseball, one of the more consistent guys in baseball too, if he can just manage to stay healthy. Uh, Corbin Burns last year was a true, true breakout for him. Uh, so projecting that again into this year, uh, if he's able to do that, that gives them a one-two punch that can rival anybody's. Uh, outside of that, it gets a little tricky. But, you know, in their lineup, they're going to have Lorenzo Cain back this year. I don't know what he's got in the tank, but uh, it's better than not having him, I guess. Um, Yelich, I think, is going to have a big year. I'm exci- I, I want to see Keston Hura for the full season, see if he can kind of progress from last year, because he's another one that had an awful season last year after it looked like he was about to be primed for a big-time breakout. We'll see what happens with them. The Cardinals are, are easily the, the team to pick in that one. I don't think they're a great team by any means. Again, they're... Their starting rotation is is solid, but it's not spectacular. Jack Flaherty, as much as I hate him, he's a good pitcher. Um, but Miles Michaelis is not that good. Uh, Alex Reyes is going to be in the bullpen for at least until he gets hurt in two weeks. They get Jordan Hicks back. Um, Giovanni Gallegos is another really good strikeout arm in their bullpen. They're just, you know, they're another team that I think is is about average as far as like league leaders for divisions. I think that they're kind of they're kind of average. They don't really have a true weakness. They don't really have much of a strength either. Uh, the NL West, this one would be in the running for top-heaviest divisions in baseball, along with probably the probably the AL Central. Um, I think you and I can both agree, and I'm, I'm just this is an easy one to put one-two: the Dodgers and the Padres one-two. Um, and that's I, I do see the Padres getting the the first wild card spot. I should say I saw the Mets getting the second wild card spot. Um, it's after those two that things that you can start to get a little bit crazy. I'm going to go with San Francisco, Arizona, and Colorado in that order. I think Pittsburgh is the worst team in baseball. Uh, I don't think Colorado is much better. I, I'm going to agree with you in the fact that I've, I think Colorado is better than Pittsburgh, but I think the rest of the West is better than the rest of the Central, so I think Colorado is going to get beat up on more. Um. I have same as you, except I've got the Diamondbacks and the Giants flip-flopped. I don't see a lot of good coming out of San Francisco yet. Their future is getting brighter when you start looking at guys like Bart and uh, Hunter Bishop and Marco Luciano. Marco Luciano. Yeah, they've got Candelario. Some, they've got Canario, some good. I say. Yeah, they've got some some really good pieces out there, but they're they're just not quite ready yet. And and I'm I'm just like you. I think that we had the exact same. Uh, the exact same playoff teams, Padres are... The Padres kind of remind me of what the Pirates were a couple years ago when they were running out Marte, McCutcheon, and Polanco, and they had Bell, and they still had Cole, and Musgrove, and they had all these good guys, and they won like 96, 97 for three straight years, but they couldn't get it out of the wild card round. It's going to be a similar thing for San Diego, like where you know you have got a really good team, and just elite farm system still after all of these guys, even though you're basically running out of places to put all of these really good prospects, you still have a very good team, so it's going to be very deep. And even even not having Jock Peterson, not having Kike Hernandez, uh, the, the Dodgers are still just, they're a juggernaut. And it, when the Braves lost to the Dodgers in the NLCS last year, it was disappointing, but it I almost took a little bit of comfort in knowing that it was just a team that was good enough and deserved to win the World Series. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like the previous year when we lost to the Cardinals. Like, we are better. We are better than this team. So, I think the West is going to be fun to watch. And it's hard being an old man and staying up for West Coast games. Especially, even when I have a vested interest. Like, when the Braves are out playing the Padres or something. But this would be a good year to watch some Dodgers-Padres baseball. There's going to be a very, very good rivalry for the next couple of years. A lot of bad blood between those two teams as well, which always makes it oh, a little yeah. bit more fun to watch. Uh, the AL East, I think if you're going to say that there's any division that can give the NL East a run for its money, um, as far as like being competitive and also being really good, then it's the AL East. Uh, I've got the Yankees winning it. I've got the Rays in second grabbing the... Uh, the I'm going to say the second wild card spot, uh, Toronto, Boston, and Baltimore. And I say that thinking that Toronto is actually going to be pretty good this year. That's a really, really good offense. I know they're struggling in the pitching department right now with you know with Kirby Yates going down, 
uh, and they're missing a few starters too. Uh, Nate Pearson isn't healthy right now, but they've got a ton of – you want to talk about good farm system and a lot of those guys that are – if they wanted to, they could play today. They could, they could start pitching today. Like Simeon Woods-Richardson is probably going to get called up at some point this year. They've got, they've got arms in bunches right there. I think they I think they take a step forward and end up uh, a resounding third. Baltimore, they're comfortably in the bottom. Uh, I think they'll be a little bit better than they were a season ago just because they're still using a lot of young guys and you're going to see some natural progression. We'll see if Anthony Santander can actually carry over a full 162 what he did last year. Also, they're going to have Trey Mancini back. Uh, and then they're going to have a full season of Ryan Mountcastle, who is an excellent offensive player. It's that Boston one right there at number four. And I know if I put them at four, people are going to assume I'm saying Boston's going to be horrible. I don't think they're going to be horrible. I just don't think that they've got the, the pitching to hold up uh, for anything more in that division. Uh, I think that their starting rotation leaves a lot to be desired. Even if Sale comes back healthy, uh, even if Eduardo Rodriguez is healthy this year, they're just not They're not a good rotation. And I think that if we have this conversation in two years, it might be a little bit different. But I don't see much in the pipeline because Dave Dombrowski really royally screwed them as far as their farm system goes. He's going to do the same thing everywhere else he goes, though. So we'll be having the same conversation with the Phillies. Uh, that's why the Phillies hired him. They already didn't have a farm system for him to wreck, so there's no way to go. There's no downside for them. Um, I was I was going to say that he's probably confused because he doesn't have a lot of really good prospects to trade. No, I mean, he could trade Nick Abel, and if he does, I would I would very much like the Braves to be uh, on that phone call. But I, I think you're going to see New York, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, and Baltimore. Now, I think, I think that's probably um... – that's probably about right. You know, Tampa Tampa's so interesting because they always just find a way, you know. And even after losing Blake Snell, I'm not worried about the Rays at all. And I do have – I've got Yankees first, but it's the same story for them. We make fun of the Mets every year, and they deserve it because they can't stay healthy and they have these really weird creative injuries. The Yankees are right across town. They're not much better. That's the same thing every year. It's how many at-bats is Giancarlo Stanton going to get? How much time is Aaron Judge going to miss? You know, which of the pitchers is going to go down for what, whatever reason, you know? But when they click, if, these, if half of their guys are healthy and performing, then the amount of depth on this roster is really something. And no, I don't think that Corey Kluber is going to step in and be be Cleveland Corey Kluber. And I don't think Jamison Tyon is going to be the guy that helps them take that next step, but I think that incremental contributions from these guys and a little bit of health is going to lead them to a probably a pretty comfortable division win. I know Toronto had a really good offseason, but they also are kind of starting to do, like you said, Kirby Yates is out, Nate Pearson is dealing with an injury, uh, George Springer already was dealing with an oblique thing. That contract that they gave him has a chance to be a really bad deal in the end of it because he's already over 30. Like, he's in in the back half of his prime right now, and they're giving him $150 million after that. Now, I'm not saying that the oblique thing is going to be a long-term deal for for him, but what if it is? You, you can never be too sure. There's a lot that can go wrong for the Blue Jays. Not to mention, the Rays have have been there. They have seen it. They are hungry. The Yankees, like we just said, they've got a lot, a lot of really talented people on the roster. Boston, you make a really good point. I mean, their lineup is still really good when you're dealing with Devers and Bogarts and Verdugo. And, and there's plenty of good bats on the team, but who's going to pitch? Sale's not going to be back for a couple of months. Eduardo Rodriguez has dead arm, not to mention. Uh, he, he was one of the biggest... Um, sports personalities that was really dealing with some COVID fallout. Like he had like uh, some heart trouble he was really dealing with. So nobody can really be too sure what things are looking like there. And the pipeline, like you said, they don't, they don't really have a lot. And even, even if you and I joined the Red Sox pitching staff, they'd still uh, comfortably finish ahead of the Orioles. Uh, guys like Rushman and Kerstad and Grayson Rodriguez, their farm system is really pointing them in a positive direction. But for now, I think you're looking at another uh, fifth-place finish for the Orioles. And from one bad team to another, the Tigers are going to finish very, very far in the cellar of the AL East. And that that is... Um, the AL Central. Excuse me, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just pretending that, uh, that the Tigers are in the AL East. Yeah, they... Similar story to the Orioles. They're in that cycle of their rebuild... Their farm system is amazing. Some of those guys are starting to make it to the majors now, like Mize and Scooble. Uh, 
Torkelson's going to be there soon, Riley Green, but for now, it's not enough. The Royals quietly had a pretty good offseason, but I've still got them finishing in fourth place, uh, even trading for Benintendi and uh, bringing back Mike Miner. They've, they've got some names. They've, they've still got Whit Merrifield, but it, it's, it's a three-team race, and it's truthfully a, a two-team race because I'm resisting the urge to call them the Indians. They're not the Indians anymore. They're the Cleveland baseball team. They don't have Francisco Lindor. They don't have Carlos Carrasco. I could probably name five guys on the Indians. And one of them is Shane Bieber and the other is Zach Plesak. Uh, it's, they, they have some quality guys. And they, they have been able, they've got this really funky, innate ability to develop pitching. Like we always talk about the Rays being really, really elite at developing pitching. The Indians have a very, did it again. The Cleveland baseball team has a very similar ability to develop pitching. So when you're looking at that Kluber deal, when they got Emmanuel Classe and he got hurt last year, you start to see some of the videos of, of him coming coming back. Throwing I mean, 102 mile an hour cutters, man. Yeah, and I, th- I think his slider got clocked at 94 or some something like, just in a spring training game yesterday or the day before. He he literally went from a 102 mile an hour cutter to a 94 mile an hour slider. That's not right. Yeah, and you've got the the organization. Karen Chak, by the way, Karen Chak, who's the closer, who carried a I, oh I don't know what was it like a forty something like strikeout percent. His strike his K percentage it might have been like it was legit like twenty percent last year. So they've got the ability to to develop or or acquire whether it's through drafting or trading and developing these guys, but will it be enough? Because you have two really really robust offenses at the top of this division. You're looking at the Twins and the White Sox. White Sox also had a really good offseason. They got Liam Hendricks. They got Lance Lynn. But they also lost Eloy Jimenez at the worst possible time uh, for a awful. really a long time. Brutal-looking injury. By the way, I undersold Karen Chak. Uh, what would you guess Karen Chak's K percentage was last year? Oh, for the percentage? Yeah. Uh, I'll say 52.6%. Almost. It was 48.6%, which equates out to, are you ready for this? Yes. 17.67 Ks per nine. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very good. That's ridiculous. I mean, he walked 5.88 per nine, but, dude, you're striking out 18 per nine innings. It doesn't matter that you're walking six of them. No, nah, that's, uh, that's gaudy. Those are those are video game numbers, right? Like those aren't even video game numbers. You can't do that in a video game. So, I think that with the the injury to Eloy, I know that that allows them to have Andrew Vaughn. You and I have, were uh, texting back and forth about this the other day, right after we saw that Eloy was going to be out for so long. The White Sox are kind of like the American League version of the Mets, where you're just looking around the diamond, going. You have a first baseman playing every single position here, except for center field, you know? And I think that's going to eventually come back to bite them. I think that the White Sox are going to win the wild card. I also have the the Rays uh, winning the wild card, just like you do. But I think the Twins are going to take this division. I think the offense is just too good, and that's that's my in-depth analysis. The offense is just too good. So, I mean, that's that's similar to what I have. Um, I'll just start off the top. I've got Minnesota winning it. I think that uh, the pitching staff is, is very good for them. I think the White Sox probably have a better top three, um, but I think Barrios is a really, really good pitcher um, who has the ability to take that next step towards being elite. They've got some good guys like Juan Duran uh, and Jordan Belazios uh, right there who are ready to go in the minors. Um Kinta Maeda is also quietly one of the best pitchers in baseball that you've just never heard of being discussed in that realm. They've got a lot of good pitching. Uh, they also have a really, really good lineup that doesn't even rely on Josh Donaldson being healthy for them to be a good, powerful lineup. Nelson Cruz is never going to lose the battle to Father Time, and I won't hear anything different. So I've got Minnesota winning. I do think it's going to be tight, though. I think Washington has a, or the White Sox have a really, really good offense. Um, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn is going to be a very, very good rookie player. Uh, he just has an innate ability to know counts and, and, and know the strike zone very well. Um, you're talking about 
Tim Anderson, he's not going to walk a lot. His OBP is not going to be. It's it's always going to be uh, tied in directly to his batting average. But he's one of those guys that hits the ball just hits very well. Steals a lot of bases. Has good power. Um, horrible defender, but uh, a, a good offensive player. Luis Robert, I think he's going to have a monster year. We'll see what happens with Nick Madrigal at second, or what they do at second base, and what they do at third base. But uh, Yoan Makata should have a, a much better season this year. Another one you're talking about, Eduardo Rodriguez, who faced a lot of problems with COVID. Uh, Yoan Moncada did as well. He's, he's said before that he never felt right last year. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Um, I have both of those teams making the playoffs. Number three, I also have Cleveland. I'm also going to call them the Indians. I'm not going to call them the Cleveland baseball team. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's a stupid name, just like the Washington football team is stupid. Um, so until they get an actual name, they're going to be the Indians or Cleveland with me, and I'll interchange the two, and I don't care if, if you get upset about it. Um, Cleveland is one of those teams where they just – they find like they they do a lot with what they have. They're a really good developmental team, like a really really good development department, um, pitching especially. They always seem to take these guys that are control specialists and then turn them into outstanding pitchers. I think they're going to do wonders with Cal Quantrill if they decide to put him in the rotation, uh, or if they're going to just decide to uh, Andrew Miller him. Uh, Tristan McKenzie showed a lot of things last year. I think he'll have a good bump this year. Bieber is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Zach Plezak is really really talented as well. Uh, I don't know how the rest of it's going to shake out. Maybe it's Logan Allen. I don't know. But they've, they've got pieces there. I'm not going to be worried about their pitching. We talked about Karen Jack and Clause. Uh, they also have Nick Wickren in the bullpen, who is also phenomenal. Uh, the offense for them is going to be really bad, though. Really bad to watch. They're going to be playing Jake Bowers a lot. They're, they're just not a, a good offensive team, uh, and that's not going to change. Uh, but Andres Jimenez is fun to watch, and you know you don't. it's always a downgrade from Lindor. But Andres Jimenez, uh, he should have gotten that shortstop job over Ahmed Rosario, and it's good for Cleveland fans that he did. Uh, so I've got them in third. This is where I get a little bit different. I'm going to pick Detroit to finish fourth. Uh, and it's not that I think – I don't think that they're an amazing team. I still think that they have a lot of issues. But Heimer Candelario took a big leap forward last year. Willie Castro – uh, was really should have been in the running for rookie of the year. He was outstanding himself. I think he's, I know the stat cast data is like a weird mix for him, but he, he can hit and he's also fast and he can field. Uh, he, he's a good player. We'll see what Isaac Paredes can do at third base over a full season. Again, though, really athletic, a lot of power, kind of like a poor man's version of Key Brian Hayes. Um, We'll, we'll see what happens, but it's that pitching staff. I mean, you're talking about Casey Mize, Matt Manning will be up there before you know it. Tariq Skubal is going to be there uh, opening day. I don't know if he's going to be in the bullpen to start off or if he's going to be in the rotation, but he's probably going to be in the rotation. They've got arms to watch. Uh, Gregory Soto, they've got a few pieces in the bullpen who are intriguing, even if they weren't really good last year. Just such a young team. There should be progression from most, if not all of them. Uh, Jonathan Scope coming back. They've got a pretty decent lineup for, for what they are at this point. Uh, and I've got Kansas City finishing in last. Um, I do think Bobby Witt Jr. will be up. Bef- I, I really, truly believe Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be up quick, like maybe in May at some point, maybe in June. But Bobby Witt's going to be up. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi will move over to second. Um, you'll have Witt playing in the outfield or third base, one of those two. Um, uh, Hunter Dozier is... is He's not amazing, but he's a pretty good hitter, um, comfortably slightly above average, but he's pretty decent, fits in that club. Jorge Soler will be better than he was a year ago, um, but their pitching doesn't inspire me. I don't think Brady Singer is going to be a particularly good starter. It's hard to be a good starter with only two pitches. Mike Miner looked cooked for really the second half of 2019 and basically all of 2020. He's looked cooked. We'll see what happens with him. Chris Bubich, um, haven't been impressed with him yet. Maybe in time, they've got some prospects of their own, but nobody on the same scale but the Tigers have. And uh, I, I think the Royals will be in last. Dayton Moore, not doing a great job. No, fair enough. I, and I feel like we need to, while we're on the topic of the AL Central, just remind everybody, Julio Tehran is with the Detroit Tigers, and it's okay to love him again. Yeah. We're all pulling for him. Made the, made the roster, which is awesome. Um, but we got to move this along. So the AL West, I think this is the most competitive division if it's not one of the Eastern ones. I don't think it's the best division, but I think it's a very, very competitive one. This is where you and I differed the most, I think, on all of these. Uh, I've got Houston winning. Um, I know a lot of people think they're going to take a step back without George Springer, and they might, but I think Houston has enough talent there uh, that they'll do well. I think Carlos Correa, if he's able to actually finally make it a full season of health, will will do wonders. Alex Bregman is, is one of the top third basemen in baseball. Jose Altuve will be better than he was in 2020. You started to see him come on in the playoffs. Um, 
their their starting rotation. We'll see what happens with Granky. Uh, I think Christian Javier is a phenomenal rookie arm. Um, they've got a lot of talent. Now it hasn't all been harnessed. A lot of their guys are kind of wild, but they've got a lot of pitching talent. We'll see what happens with center field if it's Miles Straw or what they're going to do. Jordan Alvarez if he can be healthy for most of the year. He's he's about as sure a bet for thirty homers and hundred ribbies as anybody in baseball. Uh, after that. I've got the Angels finishing second. Uh, I think now I also just want this to happen for them, but I do like a lot of what they've gotten to. So Chris Rodriguez made their opening day roster. Beautiful, beautiful pitches. Uh, really, really good arm talent. Dylan Bundy taking major steps forward. If you look into a Statcast data, there's no reason to think that he can't continue doing this. Uh, I don't think their rotation is great, but you've got Shohei Otani healthy, and he's going to throw a hundred and hit a hundred in the same game. Um, Madden is crazy enough to actually let uh actually let him hit in games that he pitches it's going to happen at some point this year uh which is awesome Madden is the perfect coach to let me see some craziness like that Justin Upton if he's healthy he'll have you know a two or three months st- or two month stretch where he's absolutely on fire and then he'll hurt Pujols isn't going to play as much Jared Walsh is, is going to be the mainstay first baseman over there so I like a lot of what the Angels did I think they'll finish second but just missed the postseason uh, I've got Oakland third just we'll see. I, I'm excited about Jesus Lazardo. Uh, I love Mark Canna. We'll, we'll, we'll see about the rest of that roster. Um, Seattle, I think, will be fourth. I think Seattle and Oakland will be pretty close, though, in that battle for third and fourth. Seattle, you're going to see Kalanick at some point. You'll probably see Julio Rodriguez at some point. You'll definitely see Logan Gilbert at some point. Uh, they, they've got, again, a lot of good young guys um, that, that you're going to be able to witness from them. That's going to be really fun to see. And then I've got Texas in last. Texas, not impressive to me. Uh, they did get Dane Dunning. Um, but I wasn't a huge Dane Dunning guy dating back all the way to his full prospect pedigree. We'll see what happens with him. But I think I think Texas is is, is last in that division. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not going to be bad enough to get a top three pick either. We actually were pretty close on this one. The only difference we had was that I, I have the Angels winning the division. It seems like this is kind of the time for them to do it. This is the time for them to step up and... We obviously all know about Trout. They got Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani, which when you're looking at a top three, I would put that top three against just about about anybody. I mean, Otani is obviously a freak, and Rendon, we talk a lot about Freddie Freeman being the most underrated player in baseball, and I think that's true, but I think Rendon is like the 1B to Freddie's 1A in that regard. He is so good, and... Like a lot of guys, he had a very slow start to his 2020 and was positively elite after like the first two weeks. So I think that Rendon is going to take a really big step forward when we get to the uh, awards predictions here in just a second. Uh, I've got something to say about him there. Uh, but yeah, I think the Angels are going to win. I got Houston uh, taking second place and just barely missing out on a wild card. Uh, Oakland in third, Seattle in fourth. Uh, but glory days are coming to Seattle soon, having Kelnick and Rodriguez. Uh, like you said, uh, Logan Gilbert coming soon and Emerson Hancock. Uh, they've got some serious talent there. Uh, the Texas Rangers are going to be terrible, and they I've got them uh, at a convincing fifth place. So we have walked through the divisions. Would you like to do your playoff bracket first and tell everybody exactly how things are going to shake out? I think I will, and I think you and I have – Almost, I think you and I have the exact same playoffs to begin. Uh, to be honest, uh, on the NL side, I've got Atlanta over St. Louis. Obviously, this is going to be where Atlanta pounds the the Cardinals. To we were on a revenge tour last year. This is the last stop on our revenge tour. Uh, Padres over the Mets, pretty convincingly, as long as the Padres are semi healthy. Uh, and then I've got the Dodgers ne- narrowly edging out the Padres. Although I could see that one going either way. I think that's a I think that's a full seven game series. Uh, to be honest, then I've got Atlanta over that winner, which I think will be L.A., so I'll have Atlanta over L.A. On the AL side of things, I've got Minnesota over Tampa Bay. I've got the White Sox over Houston. Uh, I've got the Yankees over the White Sox. Uh, And then I've got Minnesota losing to New York, but I do have Minnesota winning a playoff game, so Minnesota fans should be happy. And then I've got the Braves over the Yankees. Suck it, Yankees. Yeah, we are pretty close here. Uh, for the National League, I've got Padres over Mets in the wild card game. I actually have the Padres beating the Dodgers as well. Uh, I think that the regular season goes to the Dodgers, but I think that uh, 
I think San Diego is going to be very hungry, and I think that they would be able to, in a very hotly contested series, and during which they tire themselves out, the Braves, who will sweep the Cardinals uh, in the first round, will face a very tired Padres team and beat them on the way to the World Series. In the American League, I've got the White Sox beating the Rays in the wildcard game and then uh, losing to the Yankees. Uh, from the other side, I've got the Twins and the Angels. I also have the Twins finally breaking the, uh, it'll be 19 years, uh, streak since they have uh, won a playoff game. I've got the Yankees coming out of the American League, and I also have the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. There you have it. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect prediction from TPS. Now, uh, we're going to get into our awards predictions, but before we do, just a refresher, go to betonline.com. If you guys talk about how awesome and how much you know sports, put your money where your mouth is. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code armchair. And one other thing. So this is kind of a, a first announcement. Doc and I have been kind of holding this back for a little while now. Um, but we are going to be doing something very new. If you haven't heard of this yet, there's an app called Locker Room uh, that's basically a live, basically going to be like a live Q&A type of session uh, that I am going to be doing uh, once a week this year. Uh, I'm probably going to start that tomorrow, actually, since opening day, start the game starts at 3.05. Uh, look for an announcement closer to 7 p.m. if I can get all that set up in time. But Locker Room, you can come on and join me. You can talk. We can talk baseball. Uh, we might do... Uh, once a week we'll do play-by-play or something like that. I'll have Doc come on at some point as well uh, if he feels like it. Uh, but overall, Locker Room apps can be a great way for everybody to stay involved and to make yourself heard on the Platinum Sombrero without having to just send in questions on the Twitter page. Uh, so download the Locker Room app if you have an Apple product. has to be an iPhone or an iPad or a MacBook. Uh, no Android app as of yet. They are working on that. But for now, if you have an Apple device, make sure you f- you join in with me on the locker rooms, and we'll have a lot of fun talking baseball this year and not just having to wait a week to hear my sultry tones. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first for awards? Um, I'll, I'll take this one first. We let you start right. off on those, so I'll, I'll jump on here. The awards section of this, this one is, is fun. I tried to not be... So there's some of these where I tried to be a little bit off the wall, others that are just too obvious to say. So for the National League, I'm going to have Freddie going back-to-back MVPs. And as I just casually say, Freddie goes back-to-back MVPs, first time, just like Murph. Uh, DeGrom, DeGrom's winning the Cy Young. I think DeGrom should get the Cy Young every year. I would have given it to DeGrom last year, too. DeGrom is in the Trout category, where like if you want to give it to somebody else, sure. But there should be a basic disclaimer of, hey, who's the best person not named Jacob DeGrom? Uh, that's who can get this award. Rookie of the year, I'm going to go with Kebrian Hayes. Uh, I had Hassan Kim on here, um, but I, I think Kebrian Hayes is going to have a really good year for Pittsburgh. Um, manager of the year, I'm going to go with Luis Rojas. Not that I think the Mets, not that I want to give the Mets any real fun, anything, but um, I think they're going to make the playoffs. And for a team like the Mets that has been bad for a long time, getting to the postseason will pretty much assure that everybody picks Rojas to be manager of the year. Even if there's some others that, that are going to be better managers, Rojas will probably be the one that gets that award nailed down. And then in the American League, shocker of all shockers, I've got Mike Trout winning the MVP. Um, Cy Young, I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. I think Giolito has taken another step in his development. Just a really, really good arm. Can't really make fun of them anymore. Although now we can make fun of the Nationals for uh, giving giving him up for basically nothing. Um, Rookie of the year, I could go with Andrew Vaughn, but I'm going to be different. And I'm going to say Bobby Witt Jr., if Bobby Witt Jr. gets called up this year and looks like he has in spring training, he's going to win this award just based off the superstar potential alone. Even though Andrew Vaughn will probably have an overall better season, Bobby Witt Jr. as a shortstop is going to be a more premium position. He's a more premium name. That'll be the one that wins that. Manager of the year, I'm going to go with Rocco Baldelli. Uh, quietly one of the better managers in baseball, and the AL has a lot of really good managers, or I should say compared to how good everybody, every other manager is. The AL has a lot of elite managers. I could have gone with Kevin Cash, who basically always deserves the award. But I'm going to say Rocco Baldelli. And if the Twins manage to win a postseason game, it's for sure going to be Rocco Baldelli. Those are some really good choices you got there. Uh, for National League, uh, I mean, Jacob deGrom is always the odds-on favorite to win. Uh, but I, I think I'm actually going to go with Walker Bueller. Um, I know, I know. A lot of, a lot gets made about the Dodgers rotation. I mean, Kershaw is a legend, clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. Trevor Bauer is a douchebag, but he's actually, you know, he's he's a good pitcher. Um, but so much focus gets gets levied on all the other guys that are in the, that rotation. Not enough is said about Bueller. He is 
he's just so good. He's so very good. And I think that this is going to be a really, really strong year for him. There's going to be a lot of games against the Padres. Uh, going to be some there's some pretty good offensive players out there in that division so I think that he's going to really shut a lot of them down uh you will be happy to know that my MVP choice is Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves I don't know if he's necessarily going to go 40-40 because I think a lot of other teams are going to be looking for it not to mention he seems a little bit more geared for power than average right now uh so I think that the he He's probably more likely to go 50-30 than he is to go 40-40, but I think that doing either of those uh, makes you a lock for MVP. Uh, Rookie of the year, staying in the division, I actually have Sixto Sanchez. I was really impressed by what I saw from him last year. He's electric if he can stay healthy. It's the same story going back to when he was still with the Phillies, Uh, and he's going to give the Braves fits for a really, really long time. And for manager manager of the year, I had it narrowed down to two uh, when I initially sent this to you. I had it between Jace Tingler for San Diego and Luis Rojas. I think you're right about Rojas. It's it's tricky in the National League, right? Because you've got, you know, Snitz won it and Craig Councils won it. And the way that we both have things architected right now, the Mets are kind of the only team that are going, that are doing like a big role reversal. Or, or course correction, as it were. And that's generally who tends to win manager of the year. Somebody that takes a team and makes them perform better than they actually are. That's why somebody like Mattingly definitely deserved to win in 2020. Because the Marlins, even though the, they tried as hard as they could to get the season shut down, they still wound up getting into the playoffs and kind of, I don't want to say not deserving it, but it took everybody by surprise. We'll just say it that way. Uh, in the American League... Uh, for MVP, I've got Anthony Rendon. Uh, interesting that we both chose the same team for MVPs, just different guys on both. I already laid out the case for Rendon before. He was amazing in Washington, and for most of his first year with the Angels, uh, he was really, really good. So he's going to be be a meaningful force in L.A. this year. Uh, Cy Young, I have Tyler Glasnow. Uh, some of the videos of his arsenal that the Pitching Ninja has been putting up have just been absolutely filthy. He's always been knocking on the door of a really big breakout. I think this is the year it comes for him. This won't surprise you, Dylan, because you know I've been big on this guy ever since before he got drafted. Rookie of the year, it's Jared Kelnick of the Seattle Mariners. He's he is my favorite prospect in baseball uh, in non-Braves division. Just a super dynamic player who absolutely mashes and is kind of good at everything. So I think that when he does come up, uh, he and Kyle Lewis and Julio Rodriguez are going to make a really, really good outfield for for the foreseeable future, as long as they can stay healthy. And manager of the year, this goes to what I was just saying in the National League, how it's tricky because you don't have a lot of teams that are going for a course correction. American League, it's Joe Madden. The Angels are going to win the West, and he's going to deserve that award. They're going to get trounced uh, pretty much immediately in the playoffs, but they're going to make it. So that's fun. That's exciting. I mean, I, I, I like that. Um, I think Madden, if the Angels get back to the series, Madden is, is one of baseball's favorite managers anyway, so it's a fair chance to win that. But we do have one final segment for the show today. We're going to get a little goofy, a little bit fun. We're going to lighten the mood as we are on opening day eve. It's like opening presents. And, Doc, we've been taking some uh, some, cues, some cues to give some A's to some of our listeners as well as some, of our, uh, some from each other. So this is almost like bringing in extra innings back because we haven't done one of those in a while. Um, I do have a question for you just right off the top. I don't know. Do you want to do this? Do you want to go back and forth, back and forth? Or do you want to let, uh, do you want to ask the full set of questions for each one? How many do you have? Cause I have a one, lot. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let's go back and forth and then we can just rapid fire at the, at the end. Once you run out of questions. All right. So these are going to be rapid fire from the get go. Don't think about them too hard. Just go off the top. You ready? All right, let's go. Okay, who will be the team most affected by the change in the baseball? Twins. Without the DH, does Atlanta really have the bench to win it all? No, not as currently constructed. If you had to bet your career on this, who is the first major prospect at the Braves trade? And by major, by major, I mean top five. Oh, uh... I was going to say Tucker Davidson. Uh, Drew Waters. Will we I feel like I'm a family feud. Will we see a pitcher hit a home run this season for Atlanta? No. All right, now, getting out of Atlanta, MLB-wise, 
do the Angels really have the pitching to win that division? Yes. If you had to choose, and this one you can go expound a little bit further, if you had to choose, are you taking Jack Leiter or Kamar Rocker, and why? I have a question about Rocker and Leiter as well. Uh, I'm going to take Kumar Rocker because he's a little bit bigger, and I think he's going to be a little bit more durable. Okay. Now, if the NL East teams were dogs, what kind of dogs would they be? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the Phillies would be a Pomeranian. The Marlins would be a standard poodle. The, oh, God. The Nationals would be a, a Lhasa Opso. The Mets would be like a Greyhound. And the Braves would be a German Shepherd. Okay. I can dig it. Do you want to hear mine on that? Because I kind of want to answer that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the Phillies would be a Chihuahua, basically just a dog that likes to yap and not do anything else because they're not really good at anything. Oh, uh, that's good. That should have been mine. That's good. <laughs> the Nationals are a hound dog, but a really, really old one that can't really move very well anymore. <laughs> uh, the Marlins... They, they're they a little bit trickier. I am going to say that the Marlins are most like a Pomeranian, where they like to try to look fierce, but they're still kind of fluffy, and you see that maybe in the future, maybe they'll look like they can get big, but they're not going to. Uh, and the Braves, I think, are a golden retriever. America's dog. That was good stuff, man. So was that was that it for you? That's all of them. All right. So let's see. I'm going to carve out my uh, my Braves ones here first, and then we'll go. You ready for this? Let's do it. All right. Number of plate appearances for Michael Harris in Triple A. In Triple A, uh, 212. Wow, okay. Uh, does Ronald Acuna go 40-40? No, he doesn't hit. He's going to have too many home runs. It's going to offset the extra base hits. He hits the ball really, really super hard, and he's going to have uh, a very aggressive hitter behind him. Okay. Freddie Freeman's extension gets announced on what day? April 23rd. Okay. True or false, Mike Soroka pitches 125 innings at the Major League level this year. True. Drew Waters finishes the season in which organization? The Atlanta Braves. He finishes up on the big league roster. Starts made by Kyle Wright for the Braves. Ooh, I am going to say four. Starts made by Kyle Wright for another team. I am going to say seven. Those were the exact numbers I had. No for, way. For, for both of those. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I had April twenty. Excuse me, April 16th for Freddie. Uh, no on Acuna going 40-40. And zero plate appearances for Michael Harris in AAA because I think uh, they're going to slow walk him a little bit. So uh, to take things uh, to the league-wide view, and then we're going to wrap it up here soon because, yes, we are running out of time. Ah, you Total, said it, not me. I know. It's. I had to steal it from you. Take that, Total, Joel. <laughs> Total innings pitched by Shohei Otani. Ooh, uh, 125. Okay. Trevor Story gets traded to who? Mm, I don't want to say this, but to... Man, actually, that's not going to work. Man, this is that's a difficult one. I almost wish you told me yeah. that one before because he's going to get traded. You know what? I'm going to say the Yankees. That's who I had to. 2021 draft. Do you take a Vanderbilt right-hander or do you take the field? I absolutely take a Vanderbilt right-hander. I take Jack Leiter. You want to expound on that? Sure. So Leiter and Kamar Rocker are the easiest people right now to put 1-1 one, one, and 1-2. One, it's probably the easiest between the, the easiest number one pick in a long time. Um, both of them really, really effective. Both of them high strikeout artists. Leiter has the better spin rates of the two. Uh, I think the reason I tend to go with Lighter over Rocker, it's not that I don't think Rocker is going to be very good. I think he's very good, too. Uh, I think Lighter has everything else going for him as well. Uh, son of a big league pitcher, so he already has that kind of mental aspect. He's got those bloodlines. Uh, I, he, he's He's got a little bit of that Scherzer vibe to him. Like When you see college batters who are notorious for trying to stay out of the box and call time to mess with pitchers' heads, uh, that the fact that Lighter won't get off the rubber uh, – just plays the mind games right back with them. And and just the fact that Leiter is doing all of this with like that 16 strikeout game 
those were all on fastballs. Not one of those strikeouts was on an off speed. His curveball is very, very good when he can get it, uh, when he can actually get the handle on it. Uh, I think that Lighter has the better repertoire over Rocker. Uh, and I think I think they're both going to be really, really good. But I think Lighter is going to be like a next level type of good. Yeah, I mean he he was a first round pick coming out of high school, and then he went to Vanderbilt and got even better. I actually I would take the field here, and that's not a knock on Rocker or Lighter. That's just Jordan Lawler maybe. Been, well, Lawler or Marcelo Mayer or uh, Adrian Del Castillo, or even somebody like Henry Davis. Is that his, uh, the catcher from yeah. Louisville? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. How about that uh, That high school, uh, the Georgia Tech catcher? Oh, Parada? Yeah. I think he's a freshman, so he he's, keep your eye on him for the next couple of years. I just, I, when I start looking at the top of the draft, there's always some weird gamesmanship there. But back to the rapid fire. Uh, just a couple more. Played appearances for Byron Buxton. Let's say 162. Uh, that would be about right for him. He can't stay healthy. The You kind of alluded to this earlier. Bobby Witt Jr. gets called up on what day and never goes back down? May 27th. I had May 9th. That's pretty good. Uh, Luis Castillo finishes the season pitching for what team? The New York Yankees as well. Ooh, I had him going, uh, going to Flushing to the Mets. Um, biggest disappointment team-wise uh i guess maybe maybe oakland because i've got them finishing third in that division and a lot of people are going to have them as a playoff team that's a good one uh i had i had the blue jays but uh, oakland is a very good call and the final question i have for you it's always a fun time to take a dig at the nationals how many different trips to the injured list for steven strasburg um hopefully none because he's on my fantasy team realistically it's probably going to be three so he'll probably go on once twice and that third one will be right there towards the end of the year when they're not in anymore and he can just call it quits for the season there you go i also had three there we go we made it (laughs) by the way it should be known we didn't see each other's questions and answers before this that's true other than the dog question that was fun we should do that more we definitely should but for now we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up and call it a night. Happy opening day to all of you hearing this on Thursday. Hopefully that you are going to listen to it before uh, as you're getting your war paint on ready for the show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. 2021 season finally here. Doc, you and I are going to be talking through the entire game tomorrow. I can't wait. 305 for everybody. We're going to have Max Fried versus Aaron Nola. And the Braves begin their march to the World Series. <laughs>